0: from Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue and here we go off the rails Minneapolis this is Nice Games Club the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development
1: I'm Martha Carey and I make nice games
2: I'm Stephen McGregor and I make nice games
0: and I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games for this episode our topics are PC hardware, pen and paper RPGs and E3 so everyone's ready wait for it a little longer
2: let's start Wait, we? Oh, we started. Shoot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, you want, you want to rewind the tape? Uh, or? No, no, I think, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I guess we're just getting our you know, feet wet again after the hostile takeover yeah. from <laughs> Evil Games Club. Yeah. Which, for those of you listening, you know more than we do because we just wrestled the studio back from them. <laughs> and whereas you're like a week into knowing what they said about us. So... <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm feeling a little bit. I feel like vulnerable yeah, at this moment.
1: Yeah, a little bit exposed. Yeah, yeah.
0: tender skin everywhere. <laughs> well, that's never going to happen again, right,
2: guys? I'll oh, never, never, no, never.
1: We promise we will <laughs> keep control of our clubhouse. Uh-huh. Uh
2: huh. I'm looking for community events at Glitch HQ. Yeah. Uh, I am the community event. Leader? I don't know my official title. But basically I help run community events here at Glitch. You don't have a name tag or anything? No, I don't have a name tag. You gotta get that done. I do. I have to talk to Ava. Uh <laughs> but um so if you're interested in hosting a community event, uh you can contact me. I'm on Twitter, I'm on the Slack, I'm on Facebook, uh, and we can just talk about like what goes into making an event. It's not super complicated. You just need to make sure you're there to set things up and we can talk about like what it is you want to run. So if you want to run uh, say a racing game thing. Martha, cough, cough. Uh, (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, um, If you wanted to run or like a fighting game thing or whatever, like we could talk uh, and I can set you up with some potential dates and things like that. So let me know. Well, tell us a little bit about what a community event is. Yes. So, uh, I mean, community events vary. Uh, We have things like play tests where you can come and uh, game devs test their games out with with the community here. And there's also like co-op talk where we talk about a particular topic in video games, such as uh, we talked about video game mastery recently. Uh or that was a little while ago, but um things like that. And then there's also just fun ones like Tabletop Tuesday, where we just hang out and play board games all day. So it can vary quite a bit. Uh if you're interested in hosting such a thing.
1: Isn't Mark hosting one?
2: Am I you are hosting one? Oh
1: geez. Or so maybe you have hosted one.
0: Uh calendar math. Calendar math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. We'll go yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I I, j- I just did it. <laughs> yeah, it just happened, guys. Did you miss it?
0: Yeah, I uh, I just did host a VR
2: night. Yes. Uh, here at Glitch, and it was great. I I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I was there. It was good. Oh good. good. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was on your birthday.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, it was on my birthday. Uh. <laughs> uh. So yeah. Uh, let me know if you're interested in hosting a community event here at Glitch.
0: And those happen like once or twice a month. Uh yeah. Depending on what yeah, type of right. event it, it have is, it doesn't be
2: super frequent. It can be more frequent if you're looking for it, but we also need to make sure we have space. So, and I don't
0: know you're looking for more things that are um more workshoppy, instructional um game devy yep. stuff. Yep. Um uh, which isn't to say you don't want people to come oh, in no, and yeah, do social I mean, events,
2: but um yeah. both of those things would be perfect actually because yeah. I, I have a space lined up that I would like for a, a more fun event. So, okay. Let me know. Cool. Me cool. Know.
0: All right. And if you're from out of town and you're hearing all this and going, I want to get involved, we'll move here already. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's not. to have you. Yeah. It's not that cold. <laughs> it's actually kind of warm out. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can check the weather at ice. Wait, wait. Icecold.games.
2: icecold.games. No. Is yeah. it? Yeah. It's icecold.games. <laughs>
1: okay. Sorry.
2: Icecold.games.
0: Oof, man. When one show off the mic and we are just like <laughs>
1: falling apart <laughs>
0: over here. Well, I, I, I just
1: have nicegames.club stuck yeah. in my head. <laughs> Like <laughs> nice game club slash feedback, right? And so like that's what's wait, what in. was that URL? It was nice game club slash feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so I have that stuck in my head. So then when we're doing something else, like ice sounds like nice, yeah. But anyway, ice cold games is where you can find out about not just glitch events, but any event in the community. Yes, uh, IGTA is on there. Yep. Um, Donut the the Donutron, Donutron. yeah, yeah, um, and like all the lists list of all the game companies and. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And there's also uh, the weather, the temperature at the top. So yeah. you can check out what uh, how warm or cold it is here. Right. And it's pretty funny when it's like ninety degrees and it's like right. ice cold games. <laughs> yeah.
2: According to ice it is currently seventy seven degrees in Saint Paul in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <whistles> yup. That's, that's some nice weather. hmm What are we doing in here? Yeah, you guys should move down here now before it gets cold. <laughs> yeah, just, just for a couple of months. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: not speaking of things that happen
2: outside uh, Martha your topic
1: yeah so I'm going to be talking about PC hardware and building your own PC
2: Ooh. Ah, that's something I do not have experience in but I am, have been interested in because my laptop is starting to decline so I might need a new computer soon mm.
1: so building a PC is really fun although it can be really intimidating if you don't know anything about it because you're like "What? what do I need even and what are these things? CPU, GPU, what is that? These things I don't know. First, what you want to do when you're thinking of getting a new computer in general is like, what are you going to be using it for? Game dev, gaming, what types of games are you going to be doing VR with it or not? Um, you were saying something about, Mark, about wanting, if you're doing a game dev computer, you want to like, get a computer that's something like,
0: yeah, so, I mean, your laptop or your your desktop, if you're doing game dev, is your dev kit, right? If you're, ma- if you're making a PC game. And there's a thing about dev kits, which is it should match the sort of target hardware you're going for plus, like, 20%, 30% of, you know, uh, uh, overhead. Mm-hmm. So you can design a game and then optimize after the fact. So you don't have to pre-optimize what you're working with. Um, that's why, like, um, I recently there was actually a, a, an overview of the uh, new Xbox... One X, the dumbest name in console <laughs> history. Um,
1: <laughs> the X, if you have a box, it's Xbox. Xbox One Xbox. <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. Yeah. yep, that's it. <laughs> Xbox One Xbox. Yep. <laughs> um,
0: but uh, the, the, the dev kit for that, uh, they described, and um, uh, it explained it pretty well, actually, in this video. We should post in the show notes. Um, just like what you need in a dev kit and why just the console itself, um, uh, even though you're targeting that, is not quite what you want. You want a little bit more. Um, so you got some room to play and then after the fact optimize. And when you're working on a, on PC games, indie games, stuff like that, it's really easy to just design specifically for what you're working on. Mm. So like my desktop at home is this big honking workstation. It's designed for video processing. It's like cost me a billion dollars and it's great and it's fantastic, and I love it, but it's not really a suitable game dev testing machine. Because it can do anything, like <laughs> it's. I never, I never. I'm like, man, my games running great, and then I put it on like a high end laptop or something, and I'm like, my games not running that great. <laughs> so you know, it's important to keep that in mind when you're building something. Like you know, if it's if it is for your work, um, to think about um, if you're going to be gaming on it as well, and you want to go above and beyond, um, you have to think. You should think about it in those terms to think about like what what else do you need? You need to sometimes borrow a friend's laptop to see how it works in the real world. You know, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I'm the friend's laptop a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice uh, when when I'm developing my game. Uh, my brother and Lane, uh, they both have pretty powerful computers. And mine is not so much. So like, it's a nice benchmark. So we know like how well we're doing in terms of optimization stuff. We don't have to focus on that immediately. But it's just something to keep in mind in the future.
0: Well, you can do. that's the thing, though, is that you, one of the reasons I know that your laptop is bothering you is that when you're doing development on it, and it like you get some performance problems. Suddenly, you're just dealing with those things. Yes. Even though you've got more important things to do right now. Right, yeah. And so it is. It can be a, a hindrance. And mm-hmm. so that's why you want just a little bit more juice right, than yep. your, your game needs. So makes sense. Um, but yeah, at least you know where that ceiling is. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. There's not really a good answer to it, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you pick is going to give you problems. Just knowing, uh, knowing about that is important.
1: Yeah. Which which way up or down mm-hmm. you need to work with?
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's really important with VR, especially. At least, yeah. at least VR like min specs are more well documented than just standard PC games.
1: It's true because people get sick if you do have too crappy of hardware. <laughs> yeah, and a
0: lot of the manufacturers were very early on very worried about like well, let's make sure we give an idea of like what's good enough so that if you're doing less than that, you're not surprised mm-hmm. if there's some hiccups, you know. Yep. So, um, but it's more it's important when you're developing to like keep those in mind. Um, well, we'll find some things to post on that because that stuff's pretty well documented
1: Yeah. There's lots of articles about that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so should I go through the?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you, you, wanted, <laughs> you want to do you? You were you you built a PC recently, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I've I've built two PCs. My old one uh, I built a couple of years ago. This is all with Dylan's help. Shout out. Um, <laughs> he's like the PC build master. Yeah. Like you just give him a price range that you want, and he'll give you a parts list. Basically, that's great. Um, and he uses uh. PC Parts Picker is this really great tool, Um, and what's uh, it's pcpartpicker.com. And on there, it will show you all of the things you have to get to get a working computer, and it'll also tell you if like things are compatible or not. Oh yeah. Um, Sometimes it doesn't get it completely right, but it will give you like a good like. It will definitely tell you not use this chipset with this motherboard, or or this won't fit in this case. Mm reasonably well yeah
0: this fit well. in that case that is the thing i i never <laughs> can find information on like, <laughs> like oh, i'm gonna have to saw this part a- away
1: like, <laughs> i mean it's not that's one of the things that it, it more guesstimates about,
0: oh, okay but,
3: sure sure
1: um,
3: it's better than any information i've ever
0: come across yeah
1: <laughs> right okay so you want to know how big your machine is going to be <laughs> uh-huh.
0: and what's the main driver of that decision
1: <laughs> your motherboard oh okay <laughs> So, uh, and it's called the ATX form factor. So, okay. you can get uh, micro ATX, mini ATX, mid ATX, and full ATX, I guess.
0: Oh, I think sorry. there's even, is there even, ex- there's extended ATX too, right? Oh,
2: I'm surprised I they didn't so. go with mega ATX. I feel like that's the, the obvious choice.
0: <laughs> well, these are like, you know, uh, electrical engineers deciding these things. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind then.
2: <laughs> um,
0: Not brand managers at NVIDIA.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you want to start. Uh, well, you can start in lots of different places. Mm-hmm. But um, motherboard is a big thing because that will, uh, it's where ev- all the other pieces fit onto it. Yes. So um, it also determines what type of memory you can have.
2: It can cause a lot of problems down the road if it doesn't work right, right? Right.
1: Later it's on. basically your, it holds everything together.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, right. If like the CPU is the brain, the motherboard is like
2: the nervous system. Yeah. Right. It's like
1: the spinal cord or
2: something. Ah, well, yeah. You don't want that broken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so once you decide whether you want a tiny little computer that you can lug around really easily, or mm-hmm. if you want the full big tower that uh, looks really impressive and never moves ever, never moves <laughs> <laughs> The first one I built, we found like the smallest case that that motherboard could fit in. It's like I can carry that thing around easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like this tiny sleeper computer. Like at the time, it was not like super good specs, but pretty good specs, but looks like nothing It's like this tiny little yeah. whatever you wouldn't even know <laughs> huh. um so that was pretty cool. um okay so yeah so the other thing you want to get make sure that your motherboard and your cpu work together because there's two types of cpus um you've probably heard of the i7 intel i7 yes um there's also um, AMD. um they're, they're the two competing cpu companies and people say like intel so much better um, but amd is way cheaper and right, works right. just as well i in my opinion my mm-hmm. first the first one i built was an amd and, and now the the new one i built is kind of a monster computer Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> uh, i spent a too, probably too much money on it but um <laughs> cuz i wanted to do vr so I was like yeah. i need like the top specs for right mm-hmm. now because mm. i like if you're deving on a for a vr game you need you know the 20% yeah. up from what yeah so um so yeah, so pick which which one you want, uh, Intel or uh, AMD. And that will determine what category of motherboards you can get, because uh, those they have to match. That's like the one thing you have to right? Make right. Because sure, otherwise, you're just going to have a bad time.
0: And motherboards are made by all sorts of manufacturers for both yes. types of chips, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Um, oh man, there's so many. <laughs> um, I can list them. I don't know if that'll be useful. though.
0: Well, <laughs> there's a couple. I mean, a couple of the sort of ones you may have heard of, ASUS. Mm-hmm. Um, MSI. Yep.
1: Gigabit. Yep. A lot
0: of the same people who make uh, graphics cards also make motherboards. Yes. And there's some. There's a lot of overlap. It's not exclusive. My on my machine um, is a company called Supermicro, which is a very decidedly like '80s Silicon Prairie kind of logo, like yeah. really. um nice. And it they just make server boards, so it's not very. There's not a lot of like. Uh, there's no space to put LEDs
1: or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, I remember. Maybe we discussed it on did we discuss it on Mike.
0: I don't know. Whether you
1: don't want you don't like all the LEDs. Oh the LEDs. yeah. It's
0: uh I mean there's somebody who said about like I mean I'm I, I believe form is not equal to function, but it has a great value. But when you're building a PC, everything is ugly. So <laughs> I just make it plain and simple, please. Because there's no no one makes a stylish computer. All they make is like flashy garbage. And so I don't want any of that noise near my near my setup.
1: I love all the flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> My motherboard—you can ha- like change what color it is, and it's amazing. You guys I have- should see the
0: uh, size of the smile on Martha's face right now. <laughs>
1: it it's is so of- cool, <laughs> and I made like the case I got has like a uh, uh, like clear part on it uh-huh. so you can see all the lights. I think it's.
2: Anyway. I like those lights because then you can definitely know that your computer is on, versus like the little the little slit <laughs> that's like red or whatever when it's uh-huh. on that's what? not helpful
0: the, the on indicator that's yeah, not enough the for little you know. tiny
2: thing no you need to, <laughs> it needs to be nice and big it's like clearly i'm on Pay attention <laughs> um. <laughs> so that's helpful
1: yeah okay so once you get the motherboard and the cpu um, there's uh, usually cpu's come with a cpu cooler but it's like very tiny and you want
3: to get something better mm-hmm.
1: um, especially if you're like going to be like taxing pretty hard.
0: Mm. So what's um, a CPU cooler? Why would I ever want oh, one?
1: yeah, okay. So CPUs run really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they run too hot, they'll break <laughs> or be bad. Oh, nuts. No, I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so CPU coolers um, attach onto the um, CPU um, with thermal paste mm-hmm. stuff. So it like transfers the heat really, really well. Mm. Um, and then um, in traditional coolers, um, it's just a bunch of metal plates all in row, and so it sort of uh, creates a lot of surface area for the heat to dissipate um, and get away from the CPU. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, which is like the brain of the computer. Right, we right. said that before, but yeah, that's <laughs> where all the stuff is happening. Proce- it's the processor. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, the cooler will have a f- like a f- usually a fan right on it, right, yes. to, to carry that out into the you know just out. Yeah. You know, it's actually kind of a crude process. It just sort of blows it away, right? Exactly. And then other fans blow it out of the case. And it's
1: you kinda of have to like how
0: lo-fi it is, you know. It's true. Yeah. And you have
1: to sort of get like that's another thing when you're building it. You kinda of have to fit everything into the case. Like it's all kind of ad hoc yeah. how you do it. And you kinda of want to get it so that the air flows really well through it. Oh, um
2: That's nothing that's something I've never considered. That is something that seems important. Mm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you want like really good airflow across like the GPU the and the
0: CPU uh-huh huh. um, so you have intake fans and outtake fans
1: yes it's like a whole thing <laughs> <And> <laughs> you can get fans with LEDs in them so <laughs> <go> oh. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves okay so you get uh, C- uh, also for CPU coolers you can get water coolers um, which uh, is basically the same thing except it's uh, you have this closed tube system of of um, uh, I don't know if it's just—is it just water, or do they put
0: distilled water? Okay, Um, a a bunch of dorks who like flashy LEDs and stuff put like uh, food coloring or like sparklies
2: in there. That makes Um, that probably makes it less efficient.
0: It does, but not by a lot. Okay, Um, I think it's stupid, but it actually doesn't. It's not bad. It's just silly. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: but really, it's water. Um, and then uh, you just gotta. uh, My system is water cooled, so I've done some research on this, Mm -hmm. and um and uh, you just know how to clean it out every six months. It's like, surprisingly, despite how scary it is to have water in your machine, surprisingly low maintenance. It's, it's, it's almost as uh, lo-fi as a normal uh, heating setup. And it just takes a lot of research to realize that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can put food coloring in sparklies and then you put LEDs at the, at like the source of the, so like the whole thing lights up like, you know, like a sci-fi prop.
1: That's it, so cool.
0: People love that. <laughs> That'll um, be your next one, though, right? Well, you have a particular kind of
1: cooler oh, on yours, yes. right? So Xbox X One X, everyone was all excited because it has a vapor-cooled CPU, and yeah. I'm like, Psh, I've got a vapor-cooled CPU. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Martha was doing it before it was cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. This is just basically me bragging about my computer. <laughs> yeah, so you can have a vapor-cooled CPU, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Basically, what it is is it's got some sort of fluid in there uh, in this. Thing that attaches to the CPU, um, and when the heat comes in, it um, vaporizes the liquid, and then somehow there's fans on it and stuff, and it will just blow the heat. Somehow, I don't know exactly how it works. I'm not <laughs> an engineer. but <laughs> It's just
0: a cool thing. It's
1: cool. My computer vapes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but it, it, it's just a single unit, right? It's not, yes. You can still put a normal like, heat sink and fan on it. It's just a slightly more efficient? Yes. I guess than a yeah. normal kind of thing?
1: It's like as efficient as water cooling. I oh, think.
0: really? Okay. Interesting.
1: Uh, at least that's what the box said. Ah. Uh. So, <laughs> <laughs> But it looks really cool and glows red. It's amazing. <laughs> 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 you can tell I'm very into aesthetics. Um, okay. So then uh, memory uh, is another thing. Um, there's two different types, I guess, right now. Uh, uh,
2: there's the regular one and then the SSD. Or am I oh, oh, something? oh! No, heard, this is the RAM. Oh. Okay, so
1: this is the this is the memory that um is like random access memory. That's yes, what you call. okay. And it's what your computer uses when it's running. So it um, it's like running a, a program. It will store stuff temporarily in the RAM mm-hmm. and then um, use that instead of having to go to the uh, hard drive the whole time am i explaining this right yeah people are going to come yell at me on reddit or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that, well a little drive engagement at least
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there's ddr4 which is faster and then ddr3 which is a little bit slower mm-hmm. um, but less expensive are um,
0: there still and, then- uh, and you need to get a motherboard that works with that too yes right? so
1: the motherboard board also determines if you can use uh, ddr4 or ddr3
0: and I just said like DDR three. It, it must be dirt cheap these days because I don't. Yeah,
1: I don't know if you it actually. Yeah, that might be old information. Maybe there is just DDR four now.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just generational. Just there yeah. is a, there is a DDR five right already. It usually goes in graphics cards. I don't know. that There's a lot of normal system RAM that uses it. Um, I'm
1: looking at PC Part Picker right now, and I'm not seeing very yeah any, like at all any DDR three or five. So
0: yeah, it might, I think just for normal. Oh
1: nope, here's a DDR three. So it's still around okay yeah. exists. yeah, it's like very cheap. you can get it in all different sizes um, in units of eight, so in eight gigabyte, sixteen gigabyte et cetera et cetera thirty two mm-hmm. yeah, and so your motherboard will have uh, a number of slots that you can put it in okay um, usually four um,
0: I remember one hundred and twenty eight megabyte uh, ram sticks
1: oh my god, That i
0: I had four <laughs> slots and I could I could put. In my old well, this is back in high school, I think. I two of the slots could hold those. The other two I could only do sixty-four megabyte RAM chips in there. And they had to be paired, I think. Man, old computers were slow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh just listening to my dad talk about like, yeah, we had to make it like these things fit on thirty-two megabytes or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I can't I uh, Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of bytes and storage and etc another thing you have to decide about is your hard drive Mm -hmm. um and there's the uh,
2: that's the ssd
1: yes that is (laughs) you can get solid state or a spinning disk hard drive yeah Um, solid state is really cool and really fast but expensive Mm -hmm.
0: so it's getting a lot better than it used to be um it used to be that it would just you could get a tiny tiny (laughs) solid state drive for a million bucks and then you could run operating system in like one app on it or something. Like, but now it's pretty standard to have your, your, uh, your main hard drive be an SSD. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to store lots of data, in my case, video, right? I, I need tons and tons of da- storage space. Um, so I have lots of spinning disks and, and backups and stuff because I need so much. Mm-hmm. But for most people, you can just get one or two SSDs. And that's pretty, it's more affordable, certainly, than it used to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting more and more affordable. Mm-hmm. I've got an SSD and a regular yep. hard drive, uh, and I have like the operating system on one, and the programs I want to like run really, like boot up really quickly. Yeah, um, and then otherwise I just store everything on the other one, which sometimes gets into problems um, because the operating system is like, wait, you're storing what on where? I don't yeah. like this. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah,
1: I'm gonna default to C no matter what you say. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and then. Uh, you you got to get your good, good video card. Yeah, I you're need. very uh, like everyone's really particular about around here because video games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the highest one around uh, nowadays is the 1080, which will run all your VR goodness. But if you want to go cheaper, you can. Uh, the 900 series is uh, just fine for stuff like that too. Mm-hmm.
3: You should really look into like uh, spending your
0: dollar wisely because yes. I know a lot of times yeah. when NVIDIA makes a new generation of cards, they're like sometimes as much as twice as fast, and then they discount the previous generation by like twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, wow. I don't know. I don't know where it stands now, but like it's important to to because you know if you don't want to, you want to buy one of these every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's an investment as much as anything else. Yeah, uh, which isn't to say you should just buy the, the most expensive you can afford, but just to. You know, there's a balance in all things.
2: Yeah, just pay attention to it, is what you're
0: saying. Yeah, but you know, uh, especially NVIDIA cards, I think the 10 series, any one of them, even the like 1050, yeah. I think is the lowest one these days. Mm-hmm. All that runs VR. Oh yeah, right. So you're pretty safe with those. Okay, and they're cheapish. I don't know. AMD makes uh, pretty good ones these days too. Also, yeah, they, budget options, right?
1: They vary widely in which company is making the card too. So like, oh right, right. Uh, Asus versus Gigabyte versus MSI. Like, they all have, with, like, hundreds of dollars difference between them. for
0: the Right, because they'll make, they'll customize. Because, w- so, it, with CPUs, Intel makes the chip, right? AMD makes the chip. Mm-hmm. With motherboards, Intel or AMD license the spec, and then a bunch of companies make it. And with graphics cards, it's kind of a mix of both. But the model is that the, these third parties make it based on a spec mm-hmm. from NVIDIA that's licensed. Oh, okay. NVIDIA, I think, actually makes their own as well. But they cost yeah. more, and they're not any better. Just kind of like reference models, um, but um, but the reason they vary in price is because the third parties will add extra RAM or they'll like speed up the memory bus or they'll do little tweaks and whatever's so or like a
3: water
0: yeah they'll do yeah water cooler or they'll put like or they'll put like just a ton of fans on it or they'll do lots of crazy things or they'll just overclock
1: mm-hmm. right
0: out of the box. Mm. Um, so
1: should we explain overclock? Do you know,
0: I don't know much about it because yeah. I I run a server class workstation so everything's got <laughs> to be the spec. I don't overclock a single bit. Um, but basically it's it's basically just running your machine at a higher uh, clock speed than it was designed for Mm -hmm. Um, so it usually means there's more heat and it also means that you're more likely to suffer error Um, but uh, a lot of especially gaming cards and gaming equipment are designed to be overclocked um, either by the manufacturer or by the user to their own liking Um, that's not something in terms of like how it goes that I'm really familiar with at all, <laughs> um, whether it's a good idea to or what the best strategies are. Mm-hmm. But and you know, as a as a as a, as a this is a, me as a video developer who needs like a rock solid system all the time. But even as a dev, I kind of feel that way. Like I feel like no, I mean, I don't. The extra juice you get out of it is not a, not worth necessarily the the stability risk. But mm-hmm. that's I might just be wrong about that. I think these days it's pretty safe to overclock the machine. I mean, I just don't want to deal with
1: it. I don't yeah, know. I'm not too into that. Yeah, myself. Uh but I'm sure Dylan is like... Yeah. <laughs> well, he'll tell us what
0: is on yeah. the next Evil Games Club.
1: <laughs> of course.
2: <laughs> Wait, there's not another one, though. We're oh, right, right. It'll again.
0: never happen again. Yes, Never, ever. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting this place on lockdown. <laughs> Clubhouse secure.
1: Uh, okay, so now you have all these cool things and now you need to power them. So you have to get a power supply. Um, and power supplies uh, come in different... Um, power levels, um, and you need to get one that will power all your things. Uh, PC Part Picker, I think, will tell you if you're like, that's not enough. <laughs> um, and you can also get them uh, uh, where the cords are all attached, um, or you can get ones where it's all modular. So, mm. like, if you're like, oh, I need to add another hard drive, oh, I just will connect this cord and this cord. Or if you have them all attached, then you have like a bazillion cords that you have to like, kind of like tie off, but they're way cheaper than getting ones that
0: are right. And generally this is where, when you are look, open up a PC and you see all the wires yeah. that, that's going from the power supply to all the things. Yes. Mostly. Like, right.
1: Yeah. Cause most everything else slots into the motherboard. So it's mm-hmm. just like click, click, click. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have to fit all of that in a case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and decide if you want a CD drive, um, all that sort of thing. So, right. and you can get as cool a case as you want, or you can just stick it in a like a box that you found. Right, you can <laughs> so screw it all the pegboard if you yeah. want. To. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, grounding, I think, is the only real concern with stuff like mm-hmm. that. Oh, sure. Just, yeah, but uh, for the most part, it's it's less it's less of a task than you think it is. I think the first time you build a PC, you're like,
1: we us doing it right,
0: and it's like. Eh, it's I mean, unless you break it, the motherboard in half, you're kind of fine.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little bit particular, but mm-hmm. it's not, like, and it'll be a frustrating, swearing session to put it all together, because <laughs> yeah. especially if things don't fit exactly right, because you right, can't get right. it exactly right. Like, we had to take even, I got a really big case for the second one. And uh, even then, we had to, like, unscrew parts and, like, move things around. And, like, I think someone got cut, so they're oh, beating. No. Oh no. Oh, jeez! <laughs> Demanded <Yeah>. sacrifice. <laughs> I
0: uh I was I had to run cables around the inside of a, my case and I made the decision to um to just take metal shears and cut holes in the interior walls. Not the prettiest solution, but it's <laughs> it's buried deep in the core of the thing, no one will ever see. And I put <laughs> I put little like uh you know uh, foam padding around the sharp edges I made, so oh, it's okay. okay. <laughs> But it's kind of, it does look like an animal got in there.
1: <laughs> well, if it doesn't, then you're not doing it right.
3: Uh, <laughs> I suppose so.
1: Yeah, so I think that's it. Oh, you got to get a sound card? Um, you have to get a sound card. Not necessarily. They're all built into the nowadays.
0: Yeah, the old days of the sound blasters. I don't, they still make them, the sound cards. With really high quality audio decoders, but I don't.
1: I don't think you need them. They're in expansion cards here. List. yeah
0: yeah um like if you want extra USB ports um mm, yep. that's oh, yeah that's yeah really especially for VR if you're going to use an oculus system particularly you need a couple extra USB if you're making USB. a multiplayer game yep if you did it yeah exactly um, and
1: you have that's another thing when you're choosing a case is that um, your motherboard will have different slots for how many USB things that or like what type of USB things can go to it mm-hmm. so um or the yeah so and the case will too so you have to like match
0: those up. Oh yeah. And they almost it's almost never perfect, right? Yeah. Like you'll get a case that has uh, four USB ports, but your motherboard, you know, has ports on the back, but then it has like e- expansion uh, plugs that you you can plug the case ports to. Yes, yeah, yeah. But it's always like they come in sets of two usually or something. And it's <laughs> never quite right. And then you, you have a case with like two dead ports that aren't plugged into anything. And
1: you're like, do
0: not use Yeah or whatever. Yeah. So there's a the the machine I have I have a, a one of my old machines I I keep here at Glitch and um, I need a bunch of extra USB ports. So literally there are ex- uh, USB extension cables sticking out the back of, the, ca- of the, <laughs> the case through a hole in the back plate because there were ports on the motherboard and so the case didn't, anyway. Um, and there's three of them, and then they're bound together with a zip tie, so it's like this little hub that's just hanging out the back of the thing. It's very adorable. and um, But one of them doesn't work <laughs> oh, no. because I had to use the interior port for something else. Oh, And no. <laughs> so like, there's like, no getting around it. It's not all going to work. Fit perfectly together. It, you know, you going to make compromises somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whether it's that or something else. Um, like
1: uh, in the first one, I made uh, like the graphics card ended up being too big to put an internal wireless card in. Uh-huh. So then I had to use like external dongle thing. Oh,
0: before. I hate those. Yeah.
1: yeah, which is so annoying. But like,
0: yeah, all I, my all my keyboard it's and mice. S-
1: okay, sacrifice <laughs> to make. I
0: guess all my keyboard and mice are Bluetooth. I use this uh, Bluetooth keyboard that Microsoft makes that I really like. But on my desktop machine, I have to use a Bluetooth dongle, and it just drives me crazy that I have to do that. Uh, like, why can't I just do it? It's, it? does not. I have plenty of USB ports to spare. I just don't like having a little, even though it's a tiny thing, I just hate that it's there permanently. Like, just plugs, <laughs> ugh, I don't know. <laughs> Struggles. I know. <laughs> just gets in my OCD nature, you know?
2: Yeah, I
1: understand. All the other things that you would want, like your keyboard and your mouse yeah. and your monitor and your operating. And then you have a janky pc that you put together so it's <laughs> wonderful and joyous <laughs> um it can get kind of expensive though so if you're running on a budget um, like getting cheaper parts um but there's also places uh around where you can get refurbished or uh discounted pcs uh which is also perfectly fine so if you listening to this to me I'm like <laughs> oh no but if i can't be i can't be a cool person if i don't build my <laughs> phone pc not true yeah. Go to um in the Twin we have Tech Dump. Um Adia, I know like really hypes that place. Got the beast. <laughs> <laughs> um and of uh, like Microcenter has got refurbished things too and stuff like that. So if you're on a budget, don't worry about it. it's okay.
0: <laughs> well speaking of Micro Center, um right. where where do you where do you buy your stuff?
1: Yeah, um so PC Park Picker is great because it will tell you also the cheapest deals so where you can get the different parts of uh-huh. the money. Um, one like good places are uh, Newegg.com, um, and if you have a micro center in your area, you can go to the store and like actually check stuff out. And the people there are really nice
0: and helpful. Yeah, it's just like a PC superstore. It's it's amazing. It's we have one here, and there's like maybe thirty in the country. It's kind of it's, we're lucky. It's a great place to go. You don't always get the best price, but if you want something today, yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> if you're like crap, I forgot this part, and right. I really want to play my new game today.
0: Well, you can't um, buy RAM at like a retail store. anymore Used to be that you could buy a lot of this stuff at a Best Buy. But as consumer electronics became more mainstream, like that stuff got shunted off to the internet and to places like Micro Center. So there's just not a lot where you can actually browse and talk to knowledgeable people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're, they're really nice over there. I want to ask you, Martha, about okay. one, now you've built the machine, you've got to put software on it, right? You've got to yeah. get an operating system.
1: Yeah, that's Did,
0: true. What, what do you do to boot it up? Like, does it just turn it on and it works? Please tell me yes.
1: Please. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, when you boot it up, it will. If you don't have our operating system on it, it will send you to basically just whatever is on the motherboard already. Mm-hmm. So, um, which
0: is like the BIOS. The BIOS, yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. Um,
1: usually, what we've done is we've had a like a Linux um, operating system. If you don't uh, have a Windows one yet, mm-hmm. uh, like dual boot it that way, yeah. um, or we do that now? I'm, I'm sorry. I sympathize because
0: it's one of those things where you look it up, you figure out how to do it, you become an expert in a day, and then you do it, and then it, you just forget about it as soon as you can. Exactly. Like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I really wish Dylan was like a guest on this yeah. segment because he's like he knows all of this, but like the back of his hand. Yeah. You're like oh yeah, and then you do this and this. He's listening to this cringing <laughs> so much.
0: Well, that's payback for him taking over the studio. It's
1: true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> uh,
0: there was one lesson to draw from it, though: is just like with everything else with building a PC, is like it's within everyone's reach. Mm-hmm. Like it's complicated in a sense, and you will have some troubles, and it might break a few times on the way to not breaking. But it's something anybody can do, mm-hmm. and it, whether it's fun is kind of up to you. Up to you, but
2: you know, <laughs> yeah, you'll save money doing it, and um, you'll get the PC you need. Yeah, Instead of having to buy um, a store brand one, and then like not getting everything you want, or maybe getting too much of what you don't need.
1: Mm-hmm. And like the floor, like if you get a floor model, it will have all the old uh, software they've already installed on. Right,
2: right, right.
0: Well, just like um, you know, I, I use an Android phone, and I I'm desperate to get the cleanest version of Android I can. I feel that same way about the Windows PCs. I can build it myself, or get uh, Microsoft has this thing called Signature Edition, mm-hmm. which is just their promise. It's usually when they sell at Microsoft stores. There's no bloatware or anything on it. Those are usually the results of like, um, partnership deals, and they make, the, they make the computers cheaper, frankly, for the consumer. But they end up just putting a lot of crap in your machine you don't need. Yeah. And it's a really bad user experience. Yeah. And when you build it yourself, you don't have to deal with that. You have to deal with your mistakes that make it a bad yeah. user experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, uh, but having that control, like it can get expensive, especially if you, as you talk yourself into more expensive... Parts.
1: Well, but, if I just get this,
0: <laughs> but you know, it's very enlightening when you you look at the things you picked, and then you find an off-the-shelf uh, like PC from even ones that make them custom for you, and you realize like a pretty good percentage savings you make.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just
0: you know you got to put the effort in, and you got to not be scared, mm-hmm. right?
1: And yeah, it will be cool, and there are people to help you too, and around uh, if you have got the Micro Center, they'll help you build it, mm-hmm. and uh, and us. <laughs> yeah, Mar- Martha, you'll help you out. Yeah. Right? Ta- Get, uh, talk to us on Reddit about it.
0: Right. Yeah. Normally, you don't want people to at you, but it, maybe you want, some, uh, you want some PC building help. Go ahead and at Martha. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll add Dylan. And we'll yeah. be all good. <laughs> <laughs> now you can do your transition. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready?
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> now that you've built your amazing, awesome PC. Gonna throw that away <laughs> because the real gaming is pen and paper, right, uh,
0: Mark? <laughs> uh, indeed, it is. Um, I'm going to talk about pen and paper RPGs, basically DD and the like. Um, this is the interest to me in the moment because here at Glitch, um, one of the community events that started up recently yes. is uh DD Nights that uh, Nick Miller is running.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, he's a dev at gravic and he has tons of DD experience. Um, and he's doing this twice a month at
2: Glitch. Uh, it's twice a month, right? Uh, once a month, once a month at Glitch. Sorry, once a month at Glitch. Uh, the second Thursday of a month, from six to ten, six to nine.
0: Yeah, um, and and that's really exciting because it's gotten. I think there's, there's more discussions about it happening around us, which is cool. But also, um, I'm running a, a role playing game on Sundays with a couple of folks, including you, Stephen. Yeah, uh, of Star Trek Adventures, which is a Star Trek role playing game that I'm super into. Basically, because it's Star Trek, I'm not going to ex- pretend it's for any other reason. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of things I like about it, so it, it got me thinking about. Uh, role-playing games, as uh, from a game design perspective, um, and so uh, before we get into that, I want to tell just a little bit about. I mean, it's not like a secret topic, but D and D as a it's sort of one of those things that a lot of even people who are hardcore gamers are like. Oh, that's what that's what the other that's what the real nerds play, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's like the tier of nerdery, like um, yeah, it goes
2: like LARP, and it goes D and <laughs> yeah, video yeah. games.
0: <laughs> uh, but D and D started in uh, early 70s, and it's based off a tradition of uh, tabletop wargaming games. So uh its creators had played a lot of these um sort of strategy games. You want to tell a story? Yeah. Well, please.
1: So in 19, the nineteen seventies, my dad and his friends. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. I see. <laughs> that, that's all. Okay. <laughs>
0: um yeah, we're gonna have to really get into that in a future episode. Oh yeah. Well when we have your dad on, yeah. we'll have to well, I'm sure he's gonna he'd love to talk to us about that. Um but it uh, it came from a tradition of this sort of like tactical strategy games uh, that are still going on now but it added more of a, a narrative element to it. Mm-hmm. Um
1: and they had uh they were originally playing um like Napoleonic war uh, miniature games. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh sort of like Warhammer but yeah way nerdier. Um <laughs> <laughs> and so like one day they came down to Dave Arneson's basement and with all their little Nepo- Napoleonic war miniatures and there was this castle in the middle of the table. Oh like, what? And he's like, I've got this new game want that I'm making that I want to show you guys <laughs> and have you play test it. Is that cool? And they are like, Yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's how Blackmore, the first iteration, happened. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: And I, the the main difference between like a this this style of game and the sort of games it, it bore from is that it's, uh, it's co-op. It's, it's, it's you against the monsters, right? Yeah. It's not an army versus army kind of thing. Yeah. And, and the the game master becomes a re- really relevant part of the gameplay. Um, and that's something that's really interesting because the game master or the dungeon master in Dungeons & Dragons is uh, sort of akin in sense to a game designer. Like it, it's, a, it's like a middleman between the, 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 the people who make the rules for the game and then the actual players. You have someone in the middle the game master who makes design decisions for the players, but also follows rules from it's a really, yeah. it's very interesting. And like it, in those terms, I find it incredibly fascinating. Yeah. And as someone who is, I played a little D and D growing up, but not a ton. And, but someone who's now running a game, like with not a lot of experience running these things. Like <laughs> I feel like my, uh, my, my sense as a game designer is totally informing how I'm uh, uh, treating the game uh, uh, as, you know, as a game master. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit. I mentioned it, but I want to talk about your guys's background with D and D because Martha, you're big into it. You have a weekly game, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm playing in weekly game. Uh, we just uh, we're start, deciding to take a break on traditional D and D for a little while because uh, Dylan's the the game master for that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I've been doing this for two years. Someone else take over for a while. So, uh, no takers. <laughs> well, uh, we, uh, our friend Ben is going to do a shadow run camp. Okay. Oh. We're starting that. It's very
0: exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so what's Shadowrun? Uh,
1: Shadowrun is a uh, D20 d game game mm-hmm. um, where you roll uh, dice and roleplay characters and stuff like that. Um, except it's set in a, uh, a futuristic uh, cyberpunk. Oh, yeah, I have heard of this. Yeah, okay. it's, it's cyberpunk, but... Plus all, all the magic and elves and orcs and right orcs right and, mm, yeah. and trolls sort of thing mm-hmm. so it like smashes that all into one thing yeah. plus a little bit of like Snow Crash and, and that sort of <laughs> world
0: it's just like all the cool crap yeah, just basically. all together <laughs> uh, one of the things that it was harder for me to get into D and D even though it seemed perfect for me is I'm not really into fantasy settings oh and I, at that time I didn't realize there were other options uh-huh. you know <laughs> like D and D was like all there was as yeah. far as you know a middle schooler was concerned. Um, Now that I know that there are more, I can feel like, oh, I can appreciate this as a genre rather than as Mm -hmm.
2: D&D. Steven, you ever played growing up? I did not. No? Um, The most experience I had when I was growing up was the community episode of Dungeons & Dragons, (laughs) which is great. (laughs) That's a good episode. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's the second one, too, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, But I actually, I've only really played one session of D&D, and I did that three years back. I played it with Lane and a few other friends. Yeah. Um, And I, I enjoyed it because I, I, I what i really liked about it and what i like about uh the one the star trek game that we are playing now is that i get, you get to create creative decisions or um creative solutions to like problems that you have in the game mm-hmm. um and so like oftentimes my my teammates and stuff were like they had our, we had archers and we had uh warriors and things like that i was a uh, uh what's that bard that's it i think my instrument was a hurdy gurdy <laughs> That's awesome. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. Oh yeah. What I did was I would buff up my teammate. I didn't do a lot of damage. I don't even think I had a weapon. I might have had like a dagger or something. But I'm not yeah. walking up to a giant orc and going, eh. "That's hard." <laughs> so, well, I'm not. If you do it like that, <laughs> I could have just threw the dagger. I don't know. But um, I gave people buffs, and I had a lot of illusion um, magic. Mm-hmm. So I would create. I would create a lot of illusions and things to confuse orcs or dragons or whatever we were fighting at the time. Uh, so that it would help my teammates be able to get around them or fight them or whatever else. Mm-hmm. It was really fun.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the fun things about this is that if you ever play a video game and you're thinking like, well this does I, I like I have a better solution to this problem than the game is presenting me with. Mm-hmm. Well, in a role playing game, you can you can voice that and it's up to the GM to like, you know, uh, like roll with those punches, right? Okay, yep. That's what makes that's what makes being a dungeon master or game master hard. It's like you have to be prepared for to share the storytelling with the players. And I think that's what's really exciting. It also, like, man, it's a great, it's such an, an incredibly engaging social experience because you, you are, are not just playing together, you're creating together. Yeah. And that is like so, so satisfying, like, especially for folks like us, like, just, you know, who that's our ambition is to create. But to just be able to do that casually is just so much fun and, and really forms bonds between people. It's so, it's so great. Um, but yeah, I think that um, that's what's really fun about Star Trek Adventures, which is the game we've been playing. Now, like when I played you know, D&D, I was like, oh, I can't, why can't I do, like, I just wanted to be a robot. Like It's all I wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> and in fourth edition, apparently of D&D, there is a sort of robot mm-hmm, character. There's like
2: a golem or whatever, I think. Yeah,
0: they're called Warforged. Oh, I, I looked this up the other day because I'd forgotten about it. It's been okay. a while since I played yeah. this campaign. Uh, but I got to play as a robot, and like that kept me interested. Huh. But um, but you know it's a, this is a Star Trek game, so yeah. like it doesn't ne- it takes no effort from me to love it, right? <laughs> um, but it's uh, from a, a company called uh, Modifius Entertainment, and it uses a, a system that they've used for a couple of different role playing games that are called the 2d20 system. And at least the way it works in Star Trek is so normally in D you D you you, know, you roll die for all sorts of things. You yeah. roll to check your uh, uh, attack strength versus the the uh, enemy's armor. Um, you roll for damage. You roll to check to see if you notice something in a in a in a hallway. Right. There's all this rolling and checking, and you have tons of stats, and that's that's attractive to some people, and it's also like annoying to other people. Like, and and you know, different dungeon masters will um, weigh those things differently, right? right yeah. Like sometimes people will rely on the, on the the hard rules, and sometimes they'll just be fuzzy about it and say like, well, yeah, sure, you noticed that or whatever. Um, but Star Trek's interesting that it, it really simplifies the checks, and that you just roll two d twenty. For pretty much all the all the things you want to do, Mm -hmm. and then you um, so let's say you want you say oh I got my tricorder out and I want to scan for life forms here, and it's like okay well that is uh, you just roll some dice and see if you get that, but the the way you check against that is you the player propose to the GM, um, hey I want to use my science skill or my science discipline and my insight uh, attribute. Uh, for this task, mm. and the GM like approves it. Says like, okay, that sounds pretty good. So you as a as a player have to decide which of your stats you want to apply to the task you want to do, and you have to justify it in the in the game. So you can say, oh, I'm piloting this shuttle through an asteroid field. It takes some really careful coordination. But screw it, I'm just going to barrel through as fast as I can. I'm going to use my daring attribute yeah. instead of my control attribute yeah. because my daring attribute is higher. Yeah. And the and the GM can be like, okay, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. And it's Actually really exciting. It gets the players invested, and it, it helps them lean into what they're good at. So when you if you have a couple of stats you're not very good in, <laughs> um, it sucks when you have to roll against those. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Star Trek, you try to lean into what you're good at, and your, the other players you you then offer the task to them. It's like, why don't you do this because you're good at this task? Yeah. Or you brainstorm together, like, what if I do this and this? And you it really encourages the kind of like wacky problem solving that Star Trek is known for. And, um and for you know the players that we're playing with Stephen are not all Star Trek fans right oh actually you're, you're, yeah most uh, of you guys are Star Trek newbies
2: yep except for Lane he's the only one who's who's watch some star trek. Right, right. I and mean, you've showed us some star trek episodes. Yeah, I,
0: like I'm shepherding you all into this world which yeah. is just so much fun. But like it's it's funny to watch you guys because uh, uh, I'm a little sometimes I'm like, well, like you guys all didn't know what a tricorder was. And right. and to me it's just like it's a tricorder. Like that's what it
2: is. Like <laughs> like oh right, of course. Yeah.
0: Um you know just those things you assume that people get through that's, pop culture. Yeah,
2: that's part of the difficulty I'm having with the Star Trek game right now is that like I don't know all the terms and all the things. So yeah. sometimes you're like, hey pitch me um, um, how you're going to get out of the situation. And I'm like, uh, tech the tech. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any
1: terms, so I can't come up with these. call Callback. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, I think that does make it kind of difficult. And hopefully my job is to uh, translate into Star Trek. Mm. So you can, and this, you guys have done this, where you can say, well, what if I want to like use my device to scan for this? Like, well, that would, you'd... Here are the weird, like, random terminology for that. Try it. Go ahead. Yeah. And and that I hope that's working out. Um, yeah, but what's nice about seeing it. you guys do that kind of problem solving is that and and what makes me know this game is pretty good mm-hmm. is that the game encourages that in you guys. And and you and I is the, the so I'm the arbiter of what Star Trek and what isn't sort of. <laughs> and and I see you guys doing Star Trek things because the gameplay is encouraging it of yeah. you, which is another one of the things we really liked about Star Trek Ascendancy, right? Which just it, like. It's amazing that there are two great Star Trek games in this calendar year because Star Trek does not have a history of very good games. (laughs) There's a litany of disasters like for that license, Mm. Um, but it's just so much fun because like Star Trek's important to me, and to see you guys actually engage with Star Trek through this like through these rules rather than just through like reciting like the things you read on the wiki, you know, yeah, yeah. like that's really exciting, and and it uses so to get back to like this system, you check against. Uh, These stats, and you you sort of pitch how they work. And then a lot of times, the task you have is rated by difficulty. So you have, um, like, this is a difficulty three task. So you have to get three successful rolls. Well, you only have two dice. So you have to buy extra dice using different currencies in the game, including uh, granting the the game master uh, points of threat. Which then they stack up and then can spend on adding more enemies. So it's this kind of interesting like suspense dynamic yeah. that the players trade off. They say, okay, well, I would, I want to guarantee that I'm going to successfully do this task, but in order to do that, I need to make a big risk on future tasks, um, or I need to spend things that would have been helped me get other tasks, or I have to not spend it because I'm going to need that currency for later. And it's this, and the team all works together to do this. It's so much fun, and compared to D and D, which I don't have a ton of experience with, but um, a lot of things are similar in this sort of like. Sort of social storytelling is very similar in all role-playing games, but in this Star Trek game, like the the mechanics are very different, and they feel kind of video gamey to a point, and then it just becomes almost like this sort of like social diplomacy um, kind of aspect. And because you guys are always talking back and forth about how you're going to approach, that gives me time to like consider possibilities and be ready oh, for yeah. responses. And so it's pretty, it's nicely balanced. And so the thing, the reason I'm talking so much about this is because. Um, this game in particular, not just because we're playing it, but because we're playing playtest rules. So the, right. co- the company, uh, the game will actually be released um, this fall, but the company released uh, rules in advance uh, for playtesters. And so we've actually been playtesting the game, um, which has been really interesting. And so we're kind of encountering things where um, this mechanic doesn't make any sense, or we never use this, or this story doesn't quite work here, or, um, and we have incomplete materials. So there'll be some of the materials we'll see, like, reference page X or whatever. And so that's kind of fun to do. Um, But it kind of puts our game designer hats on uh, for these things, yeah, which is really neat. And I never, I've never considered that like playtesting a role playing game, like that.
2: Yeah, I suppose. Well, I mean, like, you there's a whole bunch of mechanics that you have to consider with those kinds of things, so it makes sense to have somebody play through it. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you could have some broken thing. Like, oh, we were talking about the 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 what's it? The Vulcan.
0: Oh yes, the Vulcan neck pinch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is where, as a Star Trek fan, it's weird. So the Vulcan neck pinch is something where you just walk up to a dude squeezes his, uh, his neck and then he falls down. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's how it works in the story. Spock can do it. Other Vulcans can do it. Um, but in the game, it's like a weapon, a melee weapon that Vulcans can use. Problem is, it's like way overpowered. Yeah. And so the game accounts for this by saying that it's a normal attack that does X amount of damage and then it has an effect uh, called knockdown, which just knocks the player down or knocks the opponent down, but doesn't render them unconscious the way a Vulcan neck punch really does. And here I am, like, expert Star Trek guy, like, going, that's no, not right. No, that's not how it works at all. <laughs> and I'm like, well, which, which is more important to me, balancing the rules or, like, being true to Star Trek? And it's, like, a real tough choice, guys. <laughs> we have a Vulcan on our crew, and so I'm, I'm going to have to deal with that, I think.
2: Oh, well, I don't, I don't know if... Uh, that's a Diaz character. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if she's had... Um, oh, she might not have Vulcan I don't think Necker. she has Vulcan Oh, ooh, that's a lot off my mind.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a really fun game.
0: Yeah, it's really good, and I'm sad you're not part of it. <laughs> but we have a pretty full crew now, actually. Lane just joined the crew as our doctor. Yeah, uh, Dale calls him Doctor Butterfingers because <laughs> he drops things. <laughs> he drops things. Nice. <laughs> that's his characteristic, I guess. <laughs> that, I don't know. I, I just I haven't played a role-playing game in a while, and it's just so exciting now as someone who's like really into game dev to just think about almost exclusively in those terms.
2: Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder what it would be like to like. We should definitely have your dad on here, Martha, because I'm really curious to see how it would, what it would be like or what it was like to develop such a game. Mm. Like that, That's fascinating. Well, not just that. Your dad has experience
0: in, on both sides of that coin. He's, he did uh, computer software design and uh, was involved in the, the, right. the origin of, of uh, these types of role-playing yeah. games. Um, so just the, I don't know, it feels like a revelation to me like the, how, how, how similar they are in some ways and how vastly different they are in others. But that still feed into what's similar about them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
0: mm-hmm. I don't know. Super exciting. Yeah, for sure. And but it gets me thinking. Like, I don't know. Do I ever want to develop one of these systems? Like, um, there's lots of little like game jams for role playing games where you just like a two page rule set. Uh, I know Nick Miller, who who runs the event here. Uh, he's done that where you just come up with like a, a set of a simple role playing scenario rules. Um, I would love to give that a shot and just to see if like you know if I have the interest or the aptitude for for that kind of designing. You know.
1: Yeah, that would be super cool to do a, a, a tabletop or not pen and paper.
0: They're interchangeable; those terms. I was looking this up, like which which is which is the correct term. And well, there's
2: pen and paper <laughs> game or tabletop RPG.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: The last thing I want to talk about in this topic and get your opinions on is um, the, something that role playing games sort of go back and forth on, mm-hmm. like D and D particularly, is the use of miniatures um, okay. and like a grid system. So the last time I played D and D, we played fourth edition, which um, is uh, yeah, everybody hates it. Um, i don 't know, don't know. Um, which is very much very like a video game in that you have uh, most of the missions you have or the battles anyway are on a, a map a grid uh-huh. and you you move it in a pin position and you your weapon has a range of three and it's uh, it's basically a video game um, you have ter- it's all very mechanical like that where d and d always works sort of like that, but fourth edition, at least to my understanding uh, is much more rigid about that is insists upon having the uh, um, uh, a grid and miniatures isn't that right, Martha? Or
1: I don't actually know.
0: Yeah,
1: because uh, I played three
0: point five until fifth. Okay. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but it's interesting because and then fifth edition came along and like basically uh, corrected all the wrongs, right? And it makes me think about a lot of other things that waffle back and forth. So like think of like superhero movies, like they're really serious and gritty and like gray and brown, and then suddenly they're all wacky and colorful. And like they, they, all move as a trend back and forth like yeah. a pendulum. Yeah, and I feel like role playing games might have a similar kind of thing.
1: Well, I mean, we use miniatures a lot when whenever there's a battle that's hard to describe yeah. where things are. Like, oh, we need you know put two goblins here and you know like the trolls here and like how far are you away? Who can see what um, sort of thing? Like, uh, that's when miniatures are super useful. Right. Yeah. So we've got. Like a grid that, and and this is if it's just like oh, it's one enemy and you're all in a field, like you don't right. really need to know because we're all just gonna attack it, And it's right, like, right. And it's easy enough to describe it, and like hold in your head what it's gonna look like. Yeah. But if it's like yeah, faulty multi mm-hmm. enemy set up in a town, mm-hmm. like kind of want to know where the line of sight is and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. When I played the D, or my D and D game, uh, I there was a grid system and we had um, different miniatures and stuff. Okay. But, okay.
0: Yeah, I guess and I guess it, it also depends on the I guess the dungeon master, like how they want to run it. Or yeah. if they there
1: was we played this one game, uh one campaign for a while mm-hmm. uh with one of my friend's dads who's a, uh they're all like historic reenactors, actors and like yeah. he's very into like, you know, accurate things and so we made like these like amazing miniature towns and trees and, and buildings and stuff to have us play on. It was so mm-hmm. cool. Nice. Huh. So like the whole campaign was miniaturized out. Oh, that's really cool. Which was really neat. A lot of work. He stopped doing that after a while. <laughs> I
0: just watched a documentary um, about a company called Dwarven Forge, which makes these really high-end um, modular pieces, like dungeons and towns and caverns that you can wow. build. These little sets of an incredible. The documentary was just about like you know the, the history of the guy who had, who had put this together. Um, I mean, really interesting. Like how you, you can really get into that. But for me, it's interesting because I, especially with this Star Trek game, mm-hmm. it does it does allow for miniatures, but it's not specific. It's like zones. It's like this. this you know, it takes one action to move a zone away or something, yeah. and so you put them on the table for like reference, kind of like what you're describing, Martha. Like just to help you a little bit but it doesn't it's not rigid about that it gives the game master some flexibility to like uh, you know just say like well you're in cover you're out of cover but you don't need to worry about like one tile over or anything like that but for me I, because i think of especially in star trek like as a tv show like i kind of don't care i'm just like you're over here they're over there and like i i can just say that you this ha- it, i just would prefer for it to live off that and so i i have some trouble Arranging that to the way that I think is satisfying to the players. I know that Sarah, who plays with us, really likes having the miniatures there to visualize that space to help her decide what to do next. Yeah, and I feel like I'm not serving her very well when I say like, "Ah, eh, it's over there," or whatever. Like, yeah,
2: I have a hard time with that too. To be honest, it's kind of difficult for me to determine what actions I should do when right. I don't. I have a general idea of where I'm at, but I don't have like a precise thing. And sometimes, like, I'll want to like head over to this thing, and I don't know because we were like. There was a cargo crate, and I was trying to get into it, but it would yeah. take me a bunch of actions. Though on the table, it didn't seem like it would take me as many actions as it should have taken me, right, so I right. was a little confused as to why, what, how many actions I needed to in order to get the stuff I wanted.
0: Right, and so that's a really good case of it, what I would prefer to do is for you as the player to say, like, hey, can I get and jump inside that crate from where I am? Mm-hmm. And I would be like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean Yeah. Like, because yeah. that would be and then you say like uh, um, or if I say oh that would be interesting for that to happen uh-huh. so I like that pitch uh, sure you can and I don't care if the rules allow you to do you mm. know what I mean that's kind of how I'd prefer to do it but I don't this, the system we're playing is not it's not super conducive to that and I think that's where I'm, I'm probably failing you guys a little bit not good. <laughs> it is interesting because I think it takes away what's special about, it, about a pen and paper tabletop experience which is just to like invent scenarios right yeah
1: it's storytelling.
0: Yeah, but then that but that is hard for players when they want they want some facts to work against, right?
1: Yeah, it's all about
0: yeah, yeah. And as a as video game developers, like we do not have that's not a that's not a language we work in, right? It's not even a, a dimension we consider. And so I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, like is there a way to incorporate that kind of um, without it just being like a, you know visual novels, which can work similarly to that sort of thing? Is there any kind of way to make a video game where it? The players are not concerned necessarily about that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but maybe that's just something. That, maybe that's not even an interesting question. I don't know. <laughs> well, it makes there me is. think
1: of like sandbox games or games where like what is it called uh, when players make up stories themselves in games.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like
1: or every like everything or whatever that game is called. Emerging right, right, play. right. Emergent gameplay. Yeah. That's the word I was. Saying. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so like in a lot of like open world games, the rules are important to like do fun, glitchy things or to exploit them or whatever. But user stories or emergent gameplay can come from just your imagination onto it. And whether it's reflected in what happens in the game or not is immaterial. So I think um, uh, like MMOs are really good at that, um, where players can just, they can, they can story tell together without having to worry about what, what the pixels on the screen say,
3: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so I guess there, I guess there, it is a dimension. It's not. It's not. There's no wall between those necessarily. It's, it's, a, it's permeable, at least.
1: Yeah, something to explore more. Mm-hmm. Speaking of exploring and things oh, that start with E.
0: Oh man!
2: Oh yeah, E3 starts with E.
0: Stephen, you've been waiting all show to yeah, get into this. We're not
2: getting into the good part yet.
0: Okay, well let's start with the boring parts well, of no, this no, next no. topic.
2: This, this one part is exciting. Okay, uh, Juggernauts. Um what Space Mace games? They uh were at E3 and they got a shout out from Game Informer. They're one of the best indie games of 2017.
0: Yeah, cause juggernauts, the Joggernauts, the Space Mace is a local team. Yes, uh here in Twin Cities, and they uh were part of a of a indie mixer event at E3 and they right. were so excited, like dream come true for them. And then they got some notice, which is like I don't think they were expecting that. Yes, that's huge. So good on them.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Now we can do the boring stuff. <laughs> okay well
0: I mean it's for our listeners it's been it, for us it's been a couple of weeks but right. um, but for our listeners it's been a little while but yeah. I think we want to talk just our reactions to sort of like the state of the industry which is sort of hard it's hard to just ignore what happened at E3 right
2: yeah right yeah it's it's a it's kind of thing okay. um, in general I used to I used to love E3 when I was younger mm-hmm. because I used to play all those kinds of games and triple A games and all that stuff it was great but nowadays I'm, I am think I'm a little jaded Uh <laughs> <laughs> Old Man
0: McGregor, Old Man
2: McGregor. Uh I don't know, it's uh I I don't play as many games as I used to when I was younger cuz you know, I, I we have jobs now mm-hmm. and uh other commitments. But um in a lot of the games that they show are, are oftentimes just not appealing to me. There's a lot of a lot of shooters. Mm-hmm. It I I play sometimes but not not nearly as frequently as you they you um believe if you were at E3. Yeah. Uh and um I don't know, a lot of the AAA games Especially, they, they tend to emphasize the narrative of games that oftentimes don't actually have a very interesting narrative. Yeah. So, um, I think maybe that. the
0: reason you don't like narrative is because video game stories are terrible.
2: Well, they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very good. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like those kinds of things just aren't interesting. But then Nintendo shows up and I get excited <laughs> and I can't talk about it yet because we're going to start talking about EA first, which was a conference. Um <sighs> EA's conferences are notoriously boring because they <laughs> because they mainly they focus 20 minutes on sports stuff. And then they focus, like, then they'll say, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, they talked about uh, football and then, yep. and then football. Yep. Uh, and that I was a that. big chunk of the time. <laughs> I'm sure they had a basketball section. Uh, yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, those kinds of things. I don't remember. Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember because <laughs> it's just a lot of, and I, I bet there's a lot, I mean, sports games. If
1: you like sports games. Games are cool, right?
2: Yeah, but they're—I shouldn't say they're niche because sports games not. is one of
0: those things. If you don't like them, you hate them. Yeah, that's like, yeah, kind of accurate.
1: Well, I liked backyard sports. <laughs> yeah, humongous entertainment. Yeah, and I used to Back play to like
2: what was it? NFL Blitz.
0: I played California Games.
2: <laughs> you guys remember that one? <laughs> oh, it had oh. hacky sack. Oh, <laughs> awesome!
3: <laughs>
2: Whoa. <laughs> that's that's cool. sport. That's the sport. Um, uh, yeah, but you know that's that's the majority of the EA conference. So it's not, let's just get past that. Yeah, super exciting. <laughs> Microsoft's conference was much more interesting. Was that that was the most the, the second one, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. That wasn't like they. I think people said they had they certainly had the most games. I think on show. Yes. Uh, but it was most. I mean, a lot of the conferences 32. were mostly trailers. Like yep. I think these companies are basically like, listen, we get made fun of every year for these dumb mm-hmm. spectacles. Let's just give people gameplay trailers and get out of here. Yeah, and then it's just like, why didn't you just release these trailers on YouTube then? Like, what was even the point?
2: Right. But well, they had to announce the Xbox One X, which we've already discussed, <laughs> is kind of an annoying name. Yeah. But oh man, this is much more negative than I expected to be. Yeah. <laughs> there are good things in
1: E3, guys. Uh-huh. I mean,
2: the Xbox One X is in, is really cool if you have a, a 4K TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. It has huge specs. I think we'll have a link somewhere on the
1: NF8 CPU cooler. Yes, Yeah,
2: I would be kind of. I would be more excited if it
0: was just a new console, because mm-hmm. I think. And then the PS4 Pro is the same thing, where it's as a consumer, it's like kind of cool. And if you if you're in if you're like if gaming is your hobby and you got a little bit of money, you don't have to feel embarrassed about buying another one oh, of the no. thing you already have. But I don't. I don't know what benefit it gives you exactly. Like PS4 Pro, I bought one because it does improve the uh, performance of PSVR.
3: Yeah. Which so that, oh, okay. that
0: it's a minor thing but like I that felt like justification to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um but with the Xbox One X it's like it plays all the same games
2: but, but just better. But, but like I guess.
0: guess I I don't know. I mean Well,
2: I mean it like I said 4K I think as much as they were talking about it it yeah. must be an appealing option for some people. And well, I've heard from other people that like that is why they why they would want a Xbox One X. It's very
0: often said that like Uh, Graphics are um, like people care about them more than they should. Yeah, but it's fun to care about them. It's just fun, right? Like higher, (laughs) higher fidelity. Like that's cool, right? Mm. It's just cool. But I just don't know. I I don't know if it's so cool to justify this from Microsoft's perspective. Mm. Like putting all this effort into launching a new product for like a niche audience. That then they have to serve these two audiences and make sure all the games still work on the older system, yeah. which does in fact limit what they can do on the newer system. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And, and as a developer, like I don't want to be targeting more than one. Th- if I'm going to go to console, it's because I don't want to. I don't want the problems that PC has, right? Yeah. Like I don't want to. I don't want to target all these different things. I don't know. It's it's cool, and it has a, it does have a 4K Blu-ray player, which yeah. I mean if the best way to watch a movie like if you have a favorite movie like the Netflix uh, transfer is not high quality enough for you you know what I mean
2: mm. um, if you care about those things so eh, I don't know it's cool it's coolish. but I mean they showed 42 games there and they were some yeah. pretty exciting ones they showed uh, what's it sea of, sea of Thieves Sea of Thieves yeah. that was one of their they spent that like cool. yeah oh, it was pretty fun really I thought that looked boring it, it's it's one of those games that you have to play with friends mm, okay. and yeah, you have to like enjoy that kind of thing I like what if all my friends are boring? well um, <laughs> hey hey wait a minute we don't count Martha oh. <laughs> we can play Sea of Thieves later oh nuts <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah it's one of those games that you really need to. you need yeah. um, you want to play it with friends and things like right, that right. there was um, what was it uh, Ori and the Blind Forest sequel oh yeah was it Ori and the, the the new one Mm -hmm. or in the new one (laughs) I can't remember the name of it specifically but it was just like a teaser there wasn't a lot they showed for it right Right. there wasn't a ton of I mean there were a whole bunch of teasers I suppose yeah Cuphead got an announcement date that's good hey goodness oh that game looks so cool
0: as someone who cares about animation and really likes 2D games like man that game is exciting oh yeah that
2: looks cool whole bunch of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think we'll have a link to like The shows somewhere, but not all of the shows. And so you guys can pick which show you want to look at because not all of them are.
0: And I think our our listeners probably
2: watched all these. Like, hopefully. If not,
0: well, there's. (laughs) And if you didn't, then we're not going to convince you to. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh,
1: There's. uh, Polygon did a thing where they did like just snippets of uh, everything they announced at the different shows.
0: Oh, like this conference in two minutes or something like that? Yeah. Uh, the, their sister site, The Verge, does that for like tech announcements all the time. It's like you don't need to hear like Tim Cook talk for 90 minutes, but you want to see the announcements. Like,
2: yeah, those are great. Um, the next one is Bethesda's conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super into most Bethesda games aside from uh, Elder Scrolls. So it wasn't much for me. It's like a sizable percentage of Bethesda's outputs. <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> but they did have an announcement on
1: Skyrim again. Yes, <laughs>
2: they did have it on the Switch. Yeah, which, with motion controls. Aren't you excited? Yeah, woo, and um, <laughs> Zelda items. Yeah, I guess because we needed that too. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you want if you really like Skyrim and you want to just play it on the go, then shoot, that's amazing because. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not really interested in it because, in order for me to really like Skyrim, I need to mod it some because yeah. it, has, it has some, <laughs> some, some toot, combat toot. issues. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can't get Thomas the Tank and Engine on there, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it, it was in uh, the the Bethesda conference was interesting because they framed it as though it was like a. Um, a uh, uh, a theme park. A theme park sort it, of thing. It would make
0: no sense.
2: It's so strange because, like, they showed a whole bunch of M-rated games mm-hmm. that your kids should, are, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it seemed like content that, I mean, is not family-friendly, but it was, like, themed as though it was a family-friendly sort of an event.
0: It's interesting because companies like Ubisoft, and Nintendo especially, make no secret that, like, we want to make games for everybody. Right. But we also want to make hardcore games, like we you know, like they don't, they don't see there's a difference. So with Bethesda, which is very much like a hardcore gamer brand, mm-hmm. right? Like for them to co-opt that kind of messaging, almost for the purposes of irony or something, it was very strange.
2: My my it, brother explained it to me. Uh, I think it was like a reference to Wolfenstein. There's a kid in there or something. That's why they did it that way. Okay, because they're cause they were uh, announcing Wolfenstein Two. Yeah. which is an exciting announcement because mm-hmm. I heard the first one was really good. I, yeah, I didn't
0: apparently they've done a really good job like mm-hmm. taking that IP and like. Making like a modern classic out of it, which yeah. I'm not into it, but like I appreciate that they did something cool with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know.
2: Also, there was Doom VR, mm-hmm. and announced that there too.
0: That was my big takeaway from Bethesda. Was there's the guy got up and said, um, "Listen, we've been part of VR since the very beginning. We're like we've been pioneers in this space. Now, here's our first VR products: two versions of games that came out years ago. <laughs> like, uh huh. <yeah. laughs>
2: <laughs> like, did they not?
0: I, it just seemed like it was a joke. That's like, right.
2: They had Bethesda VR or not Bethesda. Um, uh, Skyrim VR too, didn't they? They announced. That, well, no, they announced Fallout
0: VR, Fallout. and Doom VR. Doom. Which I mean, both look cool. It's great. I mean, I think yeah. even the, the Doom one is actually a, a n- more content as well. Whereas yeah. the Fallout, I think, is just Fallout in VR. Um, but just this, the hubris he cut up on stage and said, like, we're the, we're just
2: we've been there from day one. <laughs> like, like okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um well, that was a conference and then there was the revolver digital conference i feel like we can like talk about it a little bit but like you guys should probably just watch it cuz if you have a taste for this kind of thing you will really like it and if you don't then you really will not um it's basically a spoof on uh, previous conferences and things like that right
0: and so devolver their deal is that they are not at e3 they yes. they do uh, an event outside uh, during the, they do it in a parking lot across the street and they're very much like, they thumb their nose at like the cuz there's a trade organization that that operates E3 and like they have, it's to, it's so inside baseball but like they try to get like their like fan like gamers on their side in yeah. this dumb corporate dispute basically yeah. and so they i don't know they have this real sort of like punk rock attitude which i'm rolling my eyes at already but like <laughs> this um this 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 conference is a 15 minute skit basically yeah. um that was just a fake conference where they it actually was for them they they showed some of their games yeah. but the whole thing was very it was very um adult swim sort of tim and eric style yep. and a lot of people liked it but i'm just like
1: this that is, sounds
0: funny. It's, it wasn't funny. Like,
2: and like uh, if the whole point was to make I did fun, find it funny. But it was because I was with the right crowd at that time. because I guess there so. was a lot of blood and stuff, and I'm not one <laughs> one of those kinds of people. Yeah, uh, I guess. I guess it just seemed to me like
0: if they're gonna make fun of the fact that, like, because the whole thing was like them uh, um, doing, like, oh, we're out here to take all your money, and, be, and they're trying to like make fun of the sort of crass commercialism. Right, and it's like, well, what are you doing? Like, you're just trying to do it, they're but, doing but, but with irony. Like, I don't. I don't know. It just, I don't know, but it also it just wasn't funny.
2: Like <laughs> it, like I said, you had to be.
0: Yeah, with I mean, the right check it out for because yourself because I think I think it's definitely one of those like you'll like it or you'll hate it. Yep, kind of things. I, just, I don't think it did its job. That's my biggest problem. Oh, okay, but okay. whatever. Uh, the next one was
2: Ubisoft. Or mm-hmm. Is it Ubisoft? I say Ubisoft. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's correct or not. I've always said Ubisoft, and my brother's like, it's ubi Ubisoft. Because yeah. he can't figure out which <laughs> to pronounce it either. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the big, the big announcement at the Ubisoft conference was the Beyond Good and Evil 2, yeah. which Woo! I'm pretty excited yeah, for. Yeah, I'm
1: excited.
2: Because I loved, I loved the first one. I played mm-hmm. that on the GameCube. I had an interesting story with that where I played to it all the way to almost the end, and then my brother played over my game and saved over no. it. <laughs> oh
0: my god, is that why
2: you guys have this rivalry? <laughs> No, there's a whole bunch of reasons. <laughs> we can't get into it all in this episode. It'd be too long. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, so my brother, uh, thankfully he played through it until I got to, uh, the, uh, he got back to the point where I was. Then I beat the game. Oh, that was uh, kind of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind in that I sort of forced him to do it. It was redemptive of him. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the big that was the big thing at Ubisoft. There were um the the thing that was unfortunate is that Aisha Tyler wasn't there. Which she normally yeah, is. Yeah, you know what the, was that all about? The
0: reaction h- to that has been positive. People are like, oh, we didn't need Aisha Tyler. I'm like, why not? She's great. Like,
2: yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, like she's Aisha really Tyler. funny. She was like the best part of last year. exactly,
0: right. right? Yeah, and talk about like make poking fun at press conferences. Like she did it well, uh-huh. or where it was like yeah. it was
1: yeah, I don't know.
0: And don't she know. and she's like a she's a proper gamer and like yeah. into the products. And I think
2: they were. I think they were trying to have more of the game developers show up and talk yeah. about their products and things because they had they had. The Beyond Good and Evil two lead or whatever came up on mm-hmm. stage and he like teared up a little bit because they finally were announcing the game right right so like yeah because it's
0: been like officially in development but no news for like years and yep. years mm-hmm. and people were starting to be cynical about it yeah. Like it's you know I mean what Nuke Dookum Forever finally came out and was terrible yeah. and uh, Last Garden came out and people liked it and yeah. so there's no like yeah. no one know these stories end differently for different products that are seemingly delayed forever yep. so it seems like this one's going to get a it's actually coming out, and yeah. people hopefully people mm-hmm. will like it.
2: Also, they mentioned the Mario Cross Rabbids game, which I'm is... excited for that. I, I mean, it looks improbably. I'm into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Martha, no.
1: We'll get into it when we get to Nintendo.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, it was all it was all part of the Ubisoft conference. It was, yeah, because U- was... Ubisoft's making
2: it. Yeah. They didn't they didn't they didn't talk a lot about like the gameplay of it. But once you saw it a little bit, and it just looked like XCOM, uh, but with Mario and rabbits.
1: It looks dumb. <laughs> just gonna say that.
2: We can have all the negative stuff here. Well, it
0: does look dumb. It. Like you're not wrong.
2: Well, no. Sorry, yeah, that's I... not
1: very nice. Um I don't like it. <laughs> but that's because I don't understand Mario to begin with.
0: Oh right. You're not really a n you're not a Nintendo person.
1: I mean, I like Zelda. Okay. I'm just I've never understood Mario and I've never been able to beat the Mario game. Uh-huh. And I just don't understand the aesthetic. Like it does not mm-hmm. dive with me. So Okay. Uh, so yeah, that plus rabbits, who I definitely do not like, it's just like what, what is happening. Yeah,
2: rabbits yeah. are like minions, but for video games.
0: They're not even that. There's nothing redeemable about yeah, rabbits just, characters. characters. but for some reason, I'm still into it. Like <laughs> I can't explain well, it. The,
1: the game mechanics look really fun. right.
0: That's that's it. It's totally that. Like I don't I don't need Mario with a gun. Like I don't I don't want to play anything with a rabbit in it. Yeah, but like the game looks cool, and I, I've never pl- I don't play XCOM, so I'm not I'm not familiar with that genre. But I, uh, seeing that footage, I'm like. Why aren't I playing all these games? Then there's more out there, right?
2: Like, I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know why
0: it's Mario it or looked, Rabbids. but
2: it looked fun. But it doesn't look like my kind of game. Yeah. So that's, that's all I had to say about that. Sure. It, yeah, it looked like a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had the Sony conference, which my brother, well, he used to claim that Sony won that won the E3 because of this conference because he really liked the Sony aesthetic and stuff and the way they had it. They started they started the conference with um, Uncharted the the expansion yes, you had a lost legacy right right yes that looks cool it looks yeah i mean i'm not I'm not a fan of Uncharted games to be honest, but mm-hmm. I'll watch my brother play it because yeah the the characters are entertaining mm-hmm. um and then uh they they didn't show as many games as this Microsoft did, but they showed some cool ones they showed God of War uh they showed they announced the um shadow of the classes the remake that confused me,
0: yeah because like, I'm like they already remastered that. So are they going to remake? Is it just going to look even better? They're, are they going to change it? They're
2: literally remaking all the models and stuff. So it's not its not like a remaster version. It's I not guess. like an HD version. It's well, like, I suppose remaster has a kind of a
0: nebulous right. definition. Yeah. Um, I, I love that game. I i didn't own a PS2, but when I got a PS3, um, I, when it had PS2 capabilities, yeah. um, I played that game because it was like, what, what video games are good now that I'm back into video games? Mm. I'm like, so that to came <laughs> on the list. And I loved it, but like, know that i need it to be remade for ps4 i i, don't I don't totally know. would play it again yeah uh, maybe maybe i will too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am i saying
2: <laughs> um and then they also have the uh uh spider-man yeah of shadows i think it wasn't yeah. i don't think it has a subtitle. okay uh well this new spider-man game looks really cool insomniac's
0: making it yes yeah. it looks like
2: batman but like in a spider-man universe which like i could totally get into because mm-hmm. like i like the batman games but they're really dark yeah um Visually, especially, it's, it's kind of the same visual aesthetic. But with Spider Man games, you got there was a bunch of different colors and stuff. Yeah, Spider Man's a daytime superhero. Yeah, he I does like stuff when he, can, when he can. Yeah,
0: I like those Batman games too. But and they had all the voices from the Batman animated series, mm-hmm. but it didn't look like the animated series. Yeah. I kind of wish it did.
2: Yeah, you know? it, did, it did. Oh man, it would have
1: been cool. Yeah. To, like all self like, stated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Insomniac, um, like they're just the best.
2: So I'm, Somniac I'm makes some pretty good
0: Yeah, for sure. The difference with Sony's was um, uh, all of their everything they announced was uh, either first party or like second party. Yeah, right. Like whereas most of the things at Xbox, uh, even the exclusives are like six month exclusives.
3: Mm. Right. Oh yeah,
0: that's true. I mean, I guess if you care about the horse race between those, that is sort of interesting. Um, But I think that's why people like the Xbox One more because it actually just had a wider variety of games from many companies.
2: There was that, and then they also didn't. uh, The Sony conference talked about games that we already knew about. Oh, I suppose, part. yeah. So, aside from, I think aside oh, that's right. Glasses, there wasn't
0: really a lot of like actual surprises, new, were there? Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Huh. I yeah. guess now that it's weeks later, I know all of it now. So, yeah. I don't remember how much of it was a surprise.
2: They also talked about that Detroit game, which I do not, that game does not look good. Yeah. I'm going to be honest.
0: Why not? Why don't you like Well, um, I mean, one, it's like a, it's a Quantic Dream like well, game. Yeah, and right, I, and I can't imagine you like any thing. of those. But it
2: just, it does not seem smart or clever. Yeah. With the way, with the way that they're approaching the narrative. It just doesn't, yeah. it just, Seems very heavy handed, and the way, and I've read some of the interviews that uh, what's what's it, David something, David Cage, David Cage has yeah. um, talked about, and it it just it seems like he doesn't want to make he said he says like in one state he doesn't want to make a statement, and then the other one's like I'm making a statement, and then it's like it's about robots, but no, it's about humans. Yeah. It's like I I don't you need to be I don't know what he's trying to do with yeah. It's like, what if
0: racism, but androids? Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right. I don't know, it looks cool, but I,
0: I uh, totally agree. Yeah. It's a pretty heavy-handed metaphor. Uh-huh. But like, w- when have video games ever been better than that?
2: I mean, they can definitely be better they than that. They yeah. can, they can.
0: I'm, I, I'm not being cynical, I'm just sort of like...
2: Yeah, especially when your game is all about narrative and choices and yeah. stuff like that. If the narrative and the choices are just not that good, then right. you don't have much of a game. Yeah, fair yeah. point, for sure. Mm-hmm. Nintendo! Ooh, now we're into the good stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh Martha, I mean, you can go to sleep now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they had Kirby. Yeah, that's true. They did have Kirby. Yeah, Kirby. Game. They had the Yoshi game. Yoshi. Did you see the Yoshi game?
2: You didn't see the Yoshi game. You don't like Yoshi?
1: Oh. He's <laughs> <That is> cool. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> <laughs> He's just in the Mario universe.
2: Well, I mean, okay. Oh,
0: I see. So you just you don't understand Mario in all adjacent yeah. properties. Oh, okay.
2: Well, this Yoshi was interesting in that, like, it's 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 basically it takes place in like a house. It seems like and it's you, sort of like basically like toys. It's like Little Big Planet yeah. Yoshi, yeah, mm-hmm. a yeah
3: cardboard. Cool.
0: Yeah, you should really see some of the um the, they did a whole uh, Treehouse Live did a whole gameplay demo of this. Yeah, just the cutest effing thing, like <laughs> it's so great. Um, yeah. you would you appreciate the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you'd be into Yoshi the Yoshiness of it, but
2: um, you'd appreciate that at least.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I'll take mm-hmm. I'll that out. Mm-hmm. I mostly caught all the Mario stuff.
2: Um, oh, right, because, yeah, Mario Odyssey. Yes, yeah, Super Mario Odyssey. That game looks amazing. I'm sure the theme song is stuck in your head at this moment now because <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it, it just looks so fun because it looks like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild but a Mario version of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It. So it's, it's, it's man, it's, it looks so great. Mm-hmm. Just looking forward to running around and exploring things, and and it's like a open world Mario that we haven't really had since uh, Super Mario Sunshine. They were saying. Yep, it looks really exciting.
0: You know, it's so interesting because, because yeah, Sunshine was the last Mario of this style. Yeah. And there's been ton, there's been great Mario games since, right? right. Gal- Mario Galaxy might be my favorite game of all time. Mm. And I love Mario 64, but Galaxy and that type of gameplay, even that, that sort of linear, kind of, I love that so much. Yeah. And uh, Mario uh, 3D World, Mario 3D Land, the new Super Mario games. There's this this concept in Nintendo games that's been talked about a lot, which is this: introduce a concept, refine it, like deliver a twist on it, and then throw it away. Mm-hmm. And it's this sort of like step that was uh, that the development team behind Galaxy and Mario 3D World sort of refined over the course of a couple of yeah. games. That has there is none of that in this new Mario. And I'm and people and it's kind of funny because for a couple of years people were like, oh, Mario has been this is the Mario formula. And then we all forgot that, like, oh, there's other types of Mario. Yeah. And th- that whole thing that we've been thinking of is, like, the Mario at its apex. We're just setting that aside for now and doing something that's also am- amazing. Yeah. And it's it, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. You know?
2: Yeah. It's unfortunate being negative in a Mario or the Nintendo part. Careful.
0: Like,
2: it didn't announce Super Smash Bros. And I was, super, I was looking forward to that. Or
1: Animal <laughs> Or Animal Crossing.
2: People were really expecting Animal Crossing. Yeah. Why? I think I heard there maybe somebody heard a rumor.
1: Someone put a thing up on Twitter uh. that went around that was a Mario or a, a Animal Crossing theme. With,
0: that was someone just made in Photoshop. Uh, oh, so... I, that, man, that happens all the time with Nintendo stuff because, like, there's so many franchises and they always get new versions and they're always so different from the last one that really any, like, fan speculation can be turned into, like, like credible rumor
2: immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do that. Yeah. Um, also, they announced two Metroid games. Oh, yeah. Which, like, hardcore Nintendo fanboys are freaking out right now because every E3, they're like, where's Where's Metroid? Where's Metroid? I want some Samus. And um, there hasn't been a new Metroid game since other uh, end, which um, not a lot of people like. Um, yeah. But they've announced uh, Metroid Prime 4, which they didn't give a release date or anything. They just basically said, we're doing it, guys. Yeah. Uh, and um, they also announced a remake of Metroid 2, which uh, was a decent Metroid game. But I heard that, like, it, it needed a lot of improvement. It was a Game Boy game. Right. Yes. That's why. That's why it needed a lot of improvements. I think it was because like it was hard to um, tell colors apart and things like that because it was a game boy game. Oh yeah. You just You just didn't have enough detail. Mm-hmm. Um, they're putting it on a 3ds and the game looks a lot better. It looks more. Well,
0: intense. it's a 2.5d uh, thing. It's yeah. in, it's in 3d. Yeah. Like funny. The, the these are the last games for Nintendo 3ds. It feels like anyway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the ones that are coming out are not actually don't have the 3d mode at all. Yeah. Because um, Nintendo the new kind Pokemon of Pokemon doesn't. Yeah, and there's no reason. It's not like uh, some of the ports they've done don't have 3D, but that makes sense. Right. But but yeah, some of the newer games just don't because like no one cares. Mm-hmm. But this new Metroid does, and that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, obviously I'm biased. I, think that, uh, I love Nintendo games, but obviously I think that Nintendo won yeah. uh, E3 this year. <laughs> saying.
0: Did you watch a lot of the Treehouse Live?
2: I did because I, I think that that was
0: the most interesting. Right, to me.
2: that's what I like about that's what I like about the way Nintendo does their E3 conferences is that they they'll just get to the meat and potatoes of the stuff. They have a 25 minute.
1: That was nice. It was super short. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. They just do the trailers, just like you were talking about. Yep. And then uh, they have their Treehouse thing in E3 where they play through a lot of the games that they showed during the, their conference.
0: Yeah. And then the, and what's the best part about that is they'll have commentary. Yeah. They have their uh, the Treehouse staff who were awesome. Like, yeah, they were really fun. And then they would bring in the development teams on. They interviewed them and asked questions and so it was much more interesting than just the press conference stuff
2: yep so E3 wasn't all that bad <laughs> it ended up being a pretty cool conference yeah uh, were there any other games that um, were pretty exciting
0: one thing we didn't talk about was the PC Gaming Show which every year oh um, yeah that happens a, uh, PC Gamer the magazine uh, mm-hmm. puts it on so it's, it's kind of like a weird also run kind of event but uh, a bunch of stuff about Ooblets was shown oh, at that one. yay so, <laughs> but I still haven't gone back to watch it because it's like it's some, it doesn't even make the list of conferences Ooblet. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so bad. i need to check that out yeah um but there was a, not a lot of indie representation in these showcases not in year.
2: the yeah not on the conferences
0: yeah and i think part, like a couple years ago it was like the companies of uh, sony microsoft were desperate to show to like who had the most indie games this year at their e3 press conference yeah and i think they're just like we don't we don't care anymore like mm. and not that they don't care about indies certainly they, they do in fact they're
2: I mean, they had a whole bunch of them there. They no, that's true. See, and, they're, and, see and their
0: are their programs for indie developers are better than they've ever been. Yeah, but like they, they're not interested necessarily in trying to prove that they are they have indies anymore.
1: Also, they ha- it was open to the public this year, so people were actually there playing a lot of the
2: indie ones. Right, yeah. that's true. So that
1: mm-hmm. might have been where the shift focused to having playable demos of them instead of showing them on stage. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. The C3, though, ends right there.
1: Speaking of two-hour shows. Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. Uh, we really need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends, too. Of course, feedback form's still up. What's that URL? NiceGames.club slash feedback. Oh, Stephen, give it some effort.
2: Nice NiceGames.club Slash feedback.
0: Uh, maybe tone it down just a uh,
2: dial. dot nicegames.club slash feedback?
0: You know, we'll workshop it and okay. try it again next week. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're also on Reddit. We post the show notes every week in r slash dev, and we'll put the link to that post in these show notes on the website. That makes sense, I promise. Um, go there to uh, leave your comments, talk to each other, ask us questions. Um, yeah, we're trying to uh, engage with you directly, so um, don't make it hard for us, guys. Yeah. Um, we also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things, at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find more about the show and your nice hosts, as well as all the links and notes from this and other episodes at NiceGames.Club. And so, until we start again, remember to play nice
1: and make nice.